1: Welcome back to another week of Orange Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. We are on this radio dial every single Saturday morning from 9 to 10. And we welcome you into this new show with Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. Matt, how are you doing this morning? I'm good. How are you, Jaron? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, We're still socially distancing, but we're still trying to bring all of the Orange Fizz fans' content on a weekly basis. We have been conducting this Fizz Radio show uh, remotely through Zoom and through other platforms, but we're still trying to get all of our content out and making sure that you, the listeners, can enjoy everything that we have to offer. We have a couple of different things that we would like to talk about on today's show. First, we're going to be talking about maybe some of the biggest college athletes uh, don't really want to play college ball anymore. They might be looking to the G League, uh, basketball athletes, that is. Uh, Then we'll touch on some Syracuse basketball transfers, because what else is there to talk about in the basketball world with the whole coronavirus pandemic uh, keeping us at bay and sports at bay? We will obviously get to Fizz feedback at the end, but before that, we will also talk about the NFL draft and some Syracuse football players that are looking to make it on to a Sunday roster. But we'll start first off with Jalen Green. You might know his name, you might not. He's the number one prospect coming out of the 2020 class for basketball. He's bypassing college and now is joining the NBA's Professional Pathway Program, which is brand new. He will play in the G League through this program, and sources say that elite prospects like himself are going to make up to $500,000. In one With a one-year deal, they could even make more depending on their name and how good they are. Green is, I mean, another example of players that don't want to play for the in the NCAA because whether they're not going to make money, they're going to lose money, or whatever their reason may be. He's a big name, and he could be setting a path for other people, especially maybe some future Syracuse players that might not want to go and play college ball.
0: Yeah. So Jalen green, he's following the path that former Syracuse commit Darius Baisley said just a couple of years ago, Baisley was one of the highest recruits Syracuse had had in recent history. And then he said, you know what, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to go get a $7 million internship with LeBron James and go to the G league. Uh, it worked out for him. He was the 23rd pick in the NBA draft by the thunder. And now he, he's he, this season, he's played significant minutes for that team. Yeah. So he showed, uh, prospects now and high school kids now, that that's a legitimate strategy to getting your way into the NBA, getting money before you get there. Maybe the NCAA isn't the best way to go, even though it's been the traditional uh, route to the NBA in the past. I mean, if you're being offered money like these guys are playing in the G League, if you're that good, you don't need to play in college, why would you?
1: I, I mean, I completely agree. Like you said, I mean, Baisley's averaging 17, over 17 minutes per game as a rookie um, with the OKC Thunder. I mean, he was a first round pick 23rd overall, not a lottery, but still, if you have the talent in you, I mean, going to the G League is not going to hurt your draft stock at all. I mean, you also look at players like Lame- uh, LaMelo Ball, where he didn't play college ball instead. I mean, the entire ball family is a little weird. They started their own league. They went to China. They went this, they went that. Australia. Exactly. So he didn't play a a normal college uh, basketball season, but he's still projected to be a lottery pick in this upcoming NBA draft. So Going this route isn't going to hurt any of these people's stock, at least as of what we know right now, it's not going to hurt them. Maybe in the future it might, but at least the big news that that how Jalen Green is going to the G League, what, what really stands out to me with that is the NCAA is losing some of the biggest names in college basketball. And if they don't change, this is going to become a trend. Like five-star recruits Absolutely. will not be playing in college anymore. They're going to go make a, a half a million dollars, a quarter of a million dollars, whatever their contracts end up being in the G League. And it's kind of a adapt or die for the NCAA. Yeah,
0: why play for free at a university where really what you're risking is getting injured um, instead of just going and getting a, a – large sum of money to go play in a professional basketball league uh it just the ncaa is going to have to make a move here we we as a society have been talking about paying players for so long now and it might that might be the step the ncaa has to take in order to keep guys from going to the g league right away
1: but but if they do Let's just say that the NCAA comes to an epiphany and says, all right, we can't be losing these this talent because that's going to be hurting our bottom line. Let's start paying the players. If they do that, there's no way that the NCAA is going to be able to match what the G League is offering some of these top prospects. No, you're absolutely right. Thousand
0: dollars a year? Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. But there's something that I still think – the NCAA holds over the G league and that's playing for the national championship playing in yeah. storied March madness. I think that still has something to it. I think that's why that decision became so difficult for Darius basically at the time. I don't think he just made that decision on a whim and was like, you know what? never mind. That must've been hard. I mean, he risked a lot of things. And when you're turning down a chance to play for a powerhouse school um, and instead you're going to go to the G league and just kind of be nobody for a little while and then hopefully get drafted. That's the chance you're taking, and that and you're not when you're just giving up the NCAA and March Madness altogether. That must have been a dream growing up. So that's kind of tough.
1: Yeah, I mean, completely agree. Uh, you're listening to Orange Fizz Radio with Matt Bonaparte and Jaron May here on the Score 1260. We are every Saturday morning from nine to ten. And we're talking about how college basketball players might not actually be playing college ball in the near future. The G League uh, professional pathway program might be taking over as a mainstream option for some of the highest recruits. Jalen Green most recently committed to the G League today when we are recording this on Thursday. Now, let's take this conversation into a realm of Syracuse because all of our listeners want to know how this impacts Syracuse basketball we talked about Darius Baisley how he decommitted from SU earlier a couple years ago but now let's look to the future Dior Johnson a five-star recruit has verbally committed to the Orange but there have been rumors there have been tweets we even at the Fizz have kind of gotten in a little scuffle with him on Twitter uh, where he might has, have given off kind of hints that maybe he doesn't really want to come to Syracuse. Do you think that Jalen Green's decision kind of pushes uh, Dior Johnson to maybe not coming to the three one five?
0: I mean, at this stage, it's so tough to tell. But after you want to believe that Johnson's going to come here, at, or uh, after talking so much game about it, how he's going to help build a program for guys and kind of thing, but. You know, it's it's not looking good. I mean, there was a lot of talk about it right after he cut the the verbal commit. Uh, all the Syracuse fans, either half of the Syracuse fans saying, oh, this is the greatest thing that ever happened. Uh, this is going to be such a great team," and the other half saying, "There's no way he's going to come." Yeah, like why would he? In five years' time, this is the landscape's going to be absolutely different. Uh, the NCAA will have so much less power and that Jalen Green decision only helps that argument that the NCAA landscape is changing and that Mark Emmert and all those guys hold so much less power over these athletes because they can just go somewhere else and make money. Yeah. Um, do I think he's going to come to Syracuse? At this point, it's really hard to say, but especially after an off season where half the team transfers and it doesn't look like coach Beheim has a great handle on his squad. I don't know if I was in Dior Johnson's position, if I'd come to Syracuse right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, when Johnson did commit or verbally commit to Syracuse, one of his big quotes was, I, I am choosing Syracuse because I don't want to play for the Blue Bloods. I want to beat them. And by saying that, that means that it doesn't really sound like he's too committed to Syracuse. He's kind of just going there because He has this thought of he wants to prove that he's the best. Well, he can prove that he's the best by going to the G League. Now, one other thing that I want to touch on before we go to break is Dior actually did take to Twitter today on Thursday when we're recording this. After uh, Jalen Green made his decision, he retweeted a tweet about how Jalen Green was going to be making more money as a G League player instead of a college player. And then he also retweeted a tweet a couple hours later about Greg Brown, another top prospect that, again, is not going to college, instead is going to the G League. His retweet was a tweet that said the NBA G League's offer for top 10 prospect Greg Brown is set for $400,000 per source. He retweeted that and said, quote, take that, Mr. Brown. Um, so it seems like he's on the side of players making money, and that kind of worries me as a Syracuse fan.
0: Uh, well, you know, you would look at it two ways. One, that, um, yeah, he he's seen all this, and he's going, well, screw the Syracuse fan, to go to the G League. or it's just, you know, the classic, uh, you love seeing peers of yours succeed. Um, I'm sure he loves seeing these guys. I'm sure he talks to Jalen Green. I mean, they're both top prospects. I'm sure they've spoken to each other, seen each other at, camps uh, back when, before this whole pandemic stuff was going on. I mean, yeah. it's a, it's a hard situation to judge from our perspective, but all you can really do is speculate right now because that's all you can do. Like that's all you want to do as a Syracuse fan, cause you really want to want to come see him wear an orange uniform.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it should be said all of the things that we're saying right now, complete speculation, but honestly in the current situation that we are with no sports It's all we can really do, speculate, predict the future, look back at the past. And for right now, uh, we're going to take a break. But after that break, we're going to look back at the past and predict the future about some Syracuse transfers that are leaving the Orange, which one will hurt SU the most. You're listening to Orange Fizz Radio on the score of 1260. Welcome back to Orange Fizz Radio on the SCORE 1260. We're here every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Thank you so much for tuning in. Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte. We're working remotely from home, and we are bringing you all of your Syracuse athletics content. Earlier we talked about how Dior Johnson may or may not come to Syracuse. Who knows? There's still a couple of years until that decision. But right now what Syracuse basketball is working through Is a lot of different players leaving the program and transferring out. There's three big names. You have Howard Washington, Jalen Carey, and Bryson Gaddai. Brendan Paul is also in that conversation, but let's not really talk about him in this situation. Matt, before we get into any specifics, um, actually, why don't you just give me your take? I mean, of those three guys, the question I pose to you is, which transfer leaving Syracuse will hurt the Orange the most?
0: Think it's gotta be Bryson Goodine. I mean, he out of the younger guys, Jalen Carey and himself, he had more minutes. He played more, he was more significant. Also, obviously Carey got hurt, but before then he was even in bayheim's doghouse. Uh I think that Gadine was is definitely gonna be the most impactful guy at another place. He's going to Providence. Um he had that game winner etched into Syracuse uh fans' minds forever to see that. I guess Wood Forrest. He had it all. He was just really young. I really, I was excited to watch and see it, what he could develop into. It's too bad he's not going to be playing for Syracuse anymore. I definitely think he's going to be the most
1: uh, an upsetting loss for Syracuse next season. I mean, I, I have to agree with you on the sole purpose of he's the youngest. So Jalen Carey, was a sophomore this season, going to be a junior. Um, Howard Washington was a junior, going to be a senior. And obviously, Godine was a freshman, and he had three years ahead of him. So that on just when you're solely looking at that, that's going to hurt Syracuse the most um, because you lose a guy for more years. I think Bryson Godine is the most talented of those of those three people, even Jalen Carey. Um, but. Jalen Carey was, we never actually got to see who Jalen Carey was. He was a great prospect coming into Syracuse, but he never actually proved it because, number one, he didn't get the minutes. Number two, he was injured. Number three, he was in the doghouse. So I kind of throw Jalen Carey out there. And just for an update for our listeners, Carey, he is getting looks from Georgetown, Marquette, Creighton, and Alabama right now. Um, So that's Jalen Carey. I think Bryson Godine talent-wise is the biggest loss and will hurt Syracuse a lot, especially because he's the future talent. But here's the thing. I think if Bryson Godine was still in the Syracuse locker room, sure, he's a great talent and he could help them out, but he would also create a log jam, especially with Kadari Richmond coming in. Because Jim Beheim already played his cards. He said, I like Joe Girard a lot. And he gave Joe Girard the keys. And he's going to have to give him the keys even more next season um, when when Elijah Hughes is off the team and all these guys are leaving. And it's really going to be Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim as the main scorers. So if you have Bryson Godine in there, he kind of adds another body in that situation where you then have him, Kadari Richmond, Joe Girard, and Buddy Beheim all fighting for minutes. And you know that Jim Beheim doesn't really like to have a large rotation.
0: Yeah. I mean, depending on the way uh, Jim wanted to play it, I think it really could have worked out though. I think you've got uh Goodine or Richmond playing as a backup in the, in the backcourt. And then you can move buddy down to the three, have Gary a play at the three or the four. Morek can do the same and have Bromit as the anchor. I mean, like you said, Beheim doesn't play more than seven or eight guys, so I don't know if it would have actually worked that way. But it definitely could have, especially when you've got Kedine, who's so talented. Um, I, I think it, it could have worked, but to your credit, I don't think it would have.
1: Yeah, I agree. So, so basically what I was getting at is Bryson Godine, uh, biggest loss because the the youth and the talent. But I think what Syracuse is going to miss the most when we're talking most like specifically next season is Howard Washington. And that's my take because Washington really played well at the top of the zone. He's a lanky guy. He's, he's got those long arms. And that's really what you need. You need size at the top of the zone. And a big problem for Syracuse towards the end of last season and in the ACC uh, gauntlet of play was their defense. They had great, like the zone looked amazing at the beginning of the season when they were playing talent that wasn't that great. But once they got into the real ACC type of caliber uh, level teams, their defense kind of got exposed. And Howard Washington would have given them a solid player at the top of the zone. I also think that he is the biggest loss because of just purely his experience and leadership. Yeah, that's the, what I was gonna say. The backcourt of Syracuse right now very young. You have Joe Girard, Kadari Richmond coming in, and then Buddy bay I'm sure he's gonna be a junior, but still, he seems a little immature. Washington, when you when we talk to him in post game press conferences, and when you hear him, um, whatever he says in the press, he's a smart, high basketball IQ type of player, and he also has a lot of wisdom, and he has four years under his belt. Uh, everything that he went through with his health problems and being able to battle through that, he's just a great guy to have in the locker room. And when you take that out, it kind of, like, he seemed like the glue in that locker room last year. And now without him, it kind of seems like that, that cohesion um, could kind of fall apart.
0: Yeah. I mean, Washington was that kind of guy you could throw in at any point in the game. If you really needed somebody in the court, who you knew could dribble the basketball, who could make the right pass, who could play the good defense. He, he could do everything adequately. Uh, he wasn't a superstar. He wasn't a great scorer, but he could do everything Jim Boeheim needed him to do. And that's why he was so valuable for the squad.
1: Completely agree. Now, I, Matt, I want to, I, I kind of want to just give you a question. I know we haven't talked about this, um, but Alan Griffin, the new guy, the guy that's coming over from Illinois That we don't know if he'll be able to play next year um, or if he's going to have to sit out a year due to transfer rules, whatever it may be. Would you, and this is completely hypothetical, but if Bryson Godine, if you could take either Bryson Godine or Alan Griffin for, they would give you, Bryson Godine would give you three years, Griffin would give you two more years. Who would you take?
0: That's a good question. Um, Griffin, I I mean, it's, it's tough to, to uh, compare them because I haven't seen Griffin play in the Syracuse system. I don't know how he's going to play in the zone. Um, but, I mean, he has – at Illinois, he's shown that he's, he's a good scorer and he could play defense. At 6'5", 190, he's going to be filling in the same kind of role that Godine did. But I still think I'd take Bryson Godine just because he has so much potential uh, and he he's, has such a high ceiling that he's yet to even embark on. So, I mean, I think I'd still definitely have to take Gadine because, you know, we saw that he could hit the three, he could score inside, he could pass, he could play defense. He just didn't have it right now. And, and Beheim didn't think that was good enough to give him any minutes. And he said, all right, I can, I know I can do it somewhere else. And he opened left. I definitely think I'd still take Godine. Not to say Griffin's not a good player, but I think that in the end, Gadine would have soared above
1: him. Yeah. It's a hard question to answer. I mean, we, we don't completely know, how, like you said, how Griffin is going to fit into the, the system at Syracuse. Um, but it popped in my head, and I just wanted to get your take on that. Um, that's going to do it for our basketball talk here on Orange Fizz Radio on the SCORE 1260. We're going to take a quick break and be back with some Syracuse football talk and maybe some guys going pro. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Orange Fizz Radio on the SCORE 1260. Back here on Orange Fizz Radio on the score of 1260. We're here every Saturday morning from 9 to 10. This week, it is Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte working remotely. I'm in Massachusetts. Matt, you are in Connecticut. And now we're going to be talking about – we've already talked about basketball. Let's switch gears over to football and look at some SU football players that are hopefully in contention in the NFL draft. The draft is coming up next Thursday um, on – April 23rd, I mean, just, I want to get this off the bat, I cannot wait for this draft, because I have been needing any type of sports in my life, and this is finally the the substance and content that all of the sports fans um, in the world can actually watch and enjoy.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's going to be nice to see something, but I was so excited for this year's draft, after they said they were going to do it in Vegas with the boat, yeah, I mean, that just would have been so much fun to watch. I'm, I'm upset we're not going to see that, but to your to your point, I am very happy we get to see something.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, just thinking about it, the the pure numbers and amount of people that are going to watch this, because even if you're not a football fan, if you're just a average sports fan that is missing it, like this is your one type of content that is actually legit sports. Yeah. Um, that like it, I, I can't wait to see the numbers of the amount of people that watch this draft. It's going to be fun. Um, all right, let's get, let's get right into it. Uh, so there's basically, there's four big names for Syracuse football that are, that realistically have a chance in the NFL draft. Now we'll go each, we'll go through each one, uh, kind of give their stock in the NFL draft where we think they'll get drafted, um, and just their strengths and weaknesses when it comes to being an NFL prospect. Uh, so you have Kendall Coleman, Alton Robinson, Sterling Hoffrichter, and then Tristan Jackson. Uh, we'll start with the big guys up front. Kendall Coleman, I'll let you take the floor, Matt. What do you what do you see well in Coleman? What do you where do you think he's going to go? Give me just your scouting report.
0: Well, coming off his junior season, which was the 2018 season, where Syracuse. Won those 10 games and won the Camping World Bowl down in Florida. Coleman had a phenomenal year, 12 tackles for loss and 10 sacks. You really thought, okay, next year, if this guy can elevate his game even past this point, he's going to be, he could be a mid-round pick in the NFL draft. So the 2019 season comes along and he regresses a little bit. 10 and a half tackles for loss after 12 and just four sacks after 10. So I don't know where he'll end up, probably towards the back end, if he gets drafted at all but I still think he's an incredibly talented player who has shown in the past that he can get to the quarterback he can get past the offensive lineman and he can t- tackle a running back in the backfield he can he can really edge rush he's good at it he's not the fastest guy just a four nine five forty, but he's a strong guy and he is quick so I think he's still going to be an asset to whatever team he ends up going to
1: yeah okay so you kind of just hit on my main thing He's not the fastest guy. He is he is very large, um, but he's also not too lengthy. So he's a big guy, strong guy. I think I think strong is a better way to put it because he's not the biggest force that you're gonna run into. But he's very smart with how he uses his muscle. But saying that that he's kind of slow. I mean, like you said, four nine five um, on a forty yard dash is not the best number. So he's got great technique, he has fast hands, um, but he's not the biggest of dudes, and even saying that, he's also pretty, pretty slow um, when you look at his numbers. So I think, at least in my, in my recruiting and prospect uh, knowledge of who is going to be in this draft, um, I think Coleman strikes me as a late mid to late seventh round pick Um, one of those guys that is given a chance because he has shown that he can be a solid talent on a solid division one program. Um, But you don't know how, like, I I don't, I can't really grade what type of career he's going to have because I don't, in, in, at least in my opinion, I don't think he lasts more than a year or two, even if he gets to that point. Um, but I think at least in next week's upcoming NFL draft, he's a seventh round guy.
0: Yeah, I mean I hope I hope the same for him. Like you said, I don't know how long he would eventually last, you know, but you never know. He he's got that talent, he could become a superstar. Anybody really can if they put the work in. So I don't know what Kendall will do at the next level if he gets there, but hopefully he makes it big time.
1: Yeah, let me let me get sidetracked for just one second. I played pickup basketball against him one time. That man, I just said that he's not the the biggest guys. He's one of the strongest. When I saw him on the basketball court, he was was a big guy. He was a big fella. And then when you put him up against these other NFL prospects, you then start to talk about him as not a big guy, which is just a weird thing uh, to think about. So that's Kendall Coleman. We're both agreeing, maybe seventh round, we'll see what type of career he has. Um, let's move on to Alton Robinson, the other edge rusher that is coming out of Syracuse, hopefully to get drafted. Um, again, I'll let you have the floor. Give me your scouting report.
0: He, uh, it's a similar story to Kendall, actually. That 2018 season, he was an absolute monster, 17 tackles to lost 10 sacks, forced three fumbles. The guy was ridiculous. And then in 2019, he takes another step back. That entire Syracuse defensive line was a, bit, a little bit lackluster this past season. Only nine tackles for loss and four sacks for Alton Robinson. But at the combine, you know, he showed off his speed of four, six, nine forty. He's a big dude, 6'3", 264. He can get to the quarterback just like Kendall and get to the running back. So, I mean, I don't know. I feel like he'll go a little bit earlier than Kendall. I don't know if I could give you a round, maybe five or six. Um, but I think Alden Robinson's got the skills to, to make it at the next level. I think if he does get to the NFL uh, in the draft, that he'll start as a, as a backup. and definitely have the chance to make it as a starter in the league for a few years, because I really do think he has the talent for it. He's agile, he's big, and he's strong. So um, I definitely think he could make it big. He's got the potential for it.
1: Yeah, so I'm much higher on Robinson than Kendall Coleman, because like you said, he's faster. He's stronger and he's larger. And uh, one of the knocks that I had on Coleman was that he wasn't the lengthiest type of guy. Um, his his reach is about a an inch to two inches shorter um, than Alton Robinson. So that doesn't sound like a huge difference, but in the sport of football, it really actually, is. it it really is. So you have that. You add that on to. He's just, like, when you look at Alton Robinson, he's built like an NFL edge rusher. Like, he is broad-shouldered, big dude, strong legs, powerful type of legs, and he can really drive right off the corner. Uh, Now, when I say that, I was looking through some of his film before this. He really only has one move. He's a strong, powerful edge rusher that just tries to bully you right down the alley. He doesn't have too many... Hand moves, uh, quick moves, to whether it be a a swim move, a a spin to the inside. He doesn't have too many crazy moves that would distract or get a NFL caliber offensive lineman on their heels and scare them. He's really only just a bull rusher. And that's something that really will kind of hurt him um, in his draft stock. But saying that, I don't think that hurts him as much as Coleman. And especially, I just think Robinson is a, is a better talent than Kendall Coleman. As do us. So at least my prediction, and I, I would like to hear yours, but I think Alton Robinson um, goes fourth route.
0: Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. Uh, I could also see him going fifth or sixth. Um, it's, it's in a, a, a pretty good draft class. So, I mean – He's not the biggest name on the board, but he is a pretty big one, and I think he could make a big impact. The
1: the one thing that worries me about Alton Robinson is how he had those, those character issues when he was down in Texas A&M um, before he came to Syracuse. I'm not completely sure if NFL prospects will hold that against him or if they'll kind of have a recency um, bias, I guess you could say, where they see, all right, he acted – professionally and was a good guy at Syracuse so we'll see uh, I mean I'm
0: sure that comes up in interviews
1: yeah probably well I'm curious how you would answer that um but that's that's Alton Robinson let's move on to Sterling Hoffrichter. uh the punter I mean not much of a scouting report he's really accurate he's really good and he can boot the ball but and he was
0: of- the best player on Syracuse for the past
1: four years Not. I am am not against that take. I actually honestly agree with that take. Um, But Eric Dungy was also there. You can't can't count him out. Uh, I mean, he's still a punter. Does he get drafted?
0: I mean, punters are punters. I mean, like, maybe. I don't have the the greatest knowledge on uh, uh, punting prospects. I mean, he's good. I know that. I don't know how, how good a punter has to be in order to get drafted. I mean, I definitely think that if he doesn't get drafted, he'll be an undrafted free agent. I mean, the guy was one of the best punters in in college football for at least two or three years. So, yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think he'll get to the NFL, whether or not that's from the draft, or just being an undrafted free agent.
1: Yeah, no, I'm in that same boat. So I did some math, uh, and this was kind of iffy math. It wasn't completely uh, to the T. But on average, there's usually about two punters drafted per year. Um, and if that and there have been some years where there's four, maybe five, which i don 't know what the teams were thinking those years, there have also been years where none get drafted, and they 're all picked up as rookie free agents um, I don 't see many teams drafting punters this year, um, especially with just the pure amount of talent in other positions that is out there that teams can grab um so I don't think that Hoffrichter Richter gets drafted, especially because when you look at the big board for punters, at least based on CBS's projections, they have him as number four. They have a guy out of Texas A&M, Arizona State, and South Carolina before Sterling Hoffrichter. Now, if you agree with that or not, that's another story. But if we're just based going solely off of the big board, he would be number four. And if there's an average of two, that means that he's probably not drafted. I do agree with you, though. He'll probably go undrafted and make a team kind of how most punters and kickers do because there's just not a big draft market for those players. Yeah, I mean, we're rooting for you, Sterling. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't have much else on that. Yeah. Uh, all right, last guy before we go to break, Tristan Jackson. He forgo- He forewent, uh, I guess. Is that – maybe that's how you say it? Um he, he said, left, I'm
0: going to the draft.
1: Yeah, he left Syracuse uh, before graduating um, to go to the NFL draft. Now, he's a solid wide receiver. Just, does he get drafted? I mean, there's a lot of great re- receivers in this year's class.
0: I think he should have stayed, man.
1: I did, I, he, I completely he had
0: a great season, a 1,000-yard season. Uh, he showed that he can play 11 touchdowns. But you come on, man, you're only a junior like you should have just stayed and especially in the draft class that is stacked with wide receivers. Why not stay another year? I mean, maybe, maybe he got fed up with the team. I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs, but like, I think Tristan Jackson, that's what he should have stayed uh, at his current value. I, I don't think he's going to get drafted, especially how I said there's so many great wide receivers in this class. I think teams are going to fill up early, yeah. Um and I don't I also don't think he has the talent to make it even to a mid round if he does get drafted it's going to be really really late. Uh but I don't see it happening only a 4 5 he didn't really uh 4 5 four, he didn't stand out in the combine too much. Um I I think Tristan Jackson will hopefully be an undrafted free agent.
1: Yeah, so I don't think that he's a bad talent and I, he's I not he's definitely not a bad talent. I think he should like if he waited another year he would have been fine but then you look at this year's draft class you have, have CD lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Justin uh, a million names. Justin, T. Higgins like you can go down the line and there are just so many great wide receivers in this year's draft class. And that just hurts him. And I don't know if he did that research before he made the decision or not, but he should have. Um, I agree. He goes undrafted. He doesn't have explosive speed. He is quick off the line. He has quick tri- uh, quick twitch reaction uh, times, which is great. But he's just not one of the amazing talents in this year's draft, and that kind of hurts him. So goes undrafted, probably will make a rookie mini camp. Um, and go from there, see if he has enough talent to actually make a real minicamp and then uh, a roster um, if the NFL season actually happens this year. Who knows? Let's hope so. Yeah. Uh, but that's going to do it for the NFL talk on Orange Fizz Radio. We're going to take a quick step aside and get to Fizz feedback like we always do at the end of the shows. You're listening to Orange Fizz Radio on the score, 1260. Closing up shop here on Orange Fizz Radio on the score 1260, Jaron May, along with Matt Bonaparte. We're here every Saturday morning from nine to 10, and we appreciate you listening in to our content every single week. Or if you're new this week, thanks so much for tuning in. We're doing this remotely. We're trying to bring you content on the radio, even during this hiatus of sports and during the COVID-19 quarantine. We're almost done here, but before we leave, we obviously have to get to our Fizz feedback. Every week, we post some polls on Twitter, and we go through the results. And Matt, let's just get right into it. A lot of these polls are having to do with topics that we've already discussed this show, but let's go through the results and kind of just react to it. Um, We are reacting to to the results on Thursday night when we are recording this. So as of right now, the first Fizz feedback says, "What transfer will Syracuse basketball miss the most next season?" Earlier, I said that it was going to be Howard Washington. You send Bryson Gideon, and most people agree with you. 62.4% say Bryson Goodine.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely the most talented guy. Uh, Jalen Carey was second, which what I was kind of surprised to see. I just don't think he would have made any impact if he stayed. I don't think he was going to play at all. Again, I'll say it as many times as I have to because I just love the quote because of how savage Jim Beheim was. But after that Colgate game, a reporter asked Beheim why didn't Jalen Carey play? Said because we wanted to win the game. He was never gonna play Jalen Carey. He didn't (laughs) like him. Like he was just never gonna play. So I just don't think he would have had any impact at Syracuse City State.
1: Yeah, I do. Before we get off of this uh, this specific poll, I want to give a quick shout out. I did put Brendan Paul on this poll. And he got 3.5% of the votes. That's awesome. 3.5%. Good for him. Um, The walk-on. And he actually found a new home. He went um, to a much smaller school, but at least he'll probably get some minutes there. Um, And obviously, every week during these polls, if you comment on them, we will read your comments live. Uh, Joey Weinberg says, Gdine got better every game, was ready to break out. I think, I mean, we both kind of touched on that. I agree. Talent wise, he was the best of that group. All right, moving on to the second Fizz feedback which Syracuse football player will have the best NFL career? So, we kind of just talked about their draft prospects. Uh, now, we're talking about their actual NFL career. And it is a dead tie right now. Alton Robinson and Sterling Hoffrichter tied at the moment that we're recording this at 38.1%, not even like a point one off it is exactly 38.1% for Alton Robinson 38.1% for Sterling Hoffrichter
0: yeah I, I mean these are the two most talented guys that were on the team last year that were exiting I mean obviously you had Andre Sisko still back at the, the clubhouse so <laughs> he's, he's gonna go somewhere someday but uh, for now I mean it's Alton Robinson or Sterling Hoffrichter but what I want to harp on here is Tristan Jackson only getting 13.1% 1%. If you just stay and we put out this poll next year, I bet you that's way higher, man. I just think it's going to be so much harder for him to have a successful career not having this extra year at school. I cannot talk enough about how he should have stayed, but that's just my column.
1: No, I mean, I completely agree with you. 13.1% say Tristan Jackson, uh, 10.7% say Kendall Coleman. So, I mean, yeah, I think in that, that would actually be really interesting if we could have done that. If we could have said uh, from a year from now, we put out the same poll with Tristan Jackson on there and say he stays another year, how, many, how much more of the vote he would actually receive um, if he had another year in college?
0: Yeah, and it um, would have been between him and Cisco.
1: I agree. I agree. All right, so let's move on uh, to our last Fizz feedback. How many Syracuse football players will be drafted? We talked about the big four, Kendall Coleman, Alton Robinson, Sterling Hoffrichter, and Tristan Jackson. Of those four, we agreed that two of them will. We said Kendall Coleman and Alton Robinson, and the majority of Twitter also agrees 57.8% say two. Um, 10, uh, 11% say no one will get drafted. Uh, 19% say only one. I can assume that would be Alton Robinson. And then 13% say three or more.
0: Yeah, a landslide this time. Um, I, I honestly would not be stunned if nobody got drafted, though. Like, that wouldn't – I'd be like, all right, yeah. I mean, none of these guys were absolute superstars. Alton Robinson, obviously, the best of the group with showing Harpenter as well. But, I mean – None of these guys were world beaters. None of these guys were first-round talent, second-round talent, even third-round talent. Um, that's why the team was so bad. I mean, can
1: you actually see Alton Robinson dropping from the fourth round where he's projected right now to not being drafted at all? I
0: mean, I mean, anything could happen. I, I absolutely think that could happen. He didn't have an, uh, an, a crazy combine. He didn't have a good last season at Syracuse. I could totally see teams being like, I mean, he could be a backup. They could probably just get him after the draft kind of thing
1: Um, Uh, he's he's a talent that I think he's talented don't get me wrong but
0: I just if he didn't get drafted I wouldn't be stunned
1: okay I mean I think if one team misses on him another team is going to pick up pick him up at least Alton Robinson who knows about Kendall Coleman who knows about Tristan Jackson I am hoping that Sterling Hoffrichter, because I'm a huge Hoffrichter fan, I would love for him to get drafted, but I don't think punters get drafted that much. And based on the math that I've done, I don't think he gets drafted this year. Yeah,
0: uh, probably not. Like your studious parent.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here on Orange Fizz Radio. We thank you so much for listening in this week. Make sure you tune in every single Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. on the Score 1260. We're hoping that everyone is staying safe, everyone is staying healthy, and we hope that you can enjoy whatever sports are out there, whether it be reruns of old games or looking ahead to the NFL draft coming up next Saturday. But for Matt Bonaparte, I'm Jaron May saying thank you so much for tuning in. and We'll see you next time on Orange Fizz Radio.